today I begin with several quotations on purpose. Quotations taken from some men who have prayed and looked at our times. Some of these are alive and some of these are in the presence of God, but I I do want you to listen very closely this day. We live in the twilight of a great civilization amid the deepening decline of modern culture. Those strange beast empires of the books of Daniel and Revelation seem already to be stalking and sprawling over the surface of the earth. Only the experimental success of modern science hides from us the dread terminal illness of our increasingly technological civilization. Because our sights are fixed on outer space and man on the moon, we cannot see the judgment that hangs so low over our own planet. We applaud modern man's capability, but forget that nations are threatening each other with atomic destruction. That gun smoke darkens our inner cities, and that our near neighbors walk in terror by day and sleep in fear by night. We sit glued to television sets, unmindful that ancient pagan rulers staged Colosseum circuses to switch the minds of the restless ones from the realities of a spiritually vagrant empire to the illusion that all is basically well. We are so steeped in the Antichrist philosophy, namely, that success consists in embracing not the values of the Sermon on the Mount, but an infinity of material things, of sex and status, that we little sense how much of what passes for practical Christianity is really an apostate compromise with the spirit of the age. Our generation is lost to the truth of God, to the reality of divine revelation, to the content of God's will, to the power of his redemption, and to the authority of his word. For this loss, it is paying dearly in a swift relapse to paganism. The savages are stirring again. You can hear them rumbling and rustling in the tempo of our times. The barbarians are coming. Carl Henry wrote that in the 70s and the 80s. Al Mohler says, he asked this question, Has God disappeared? The tragic reality is that we are living in an age that is marked by so much spiritual and theological confusion that the God of the Bible has largely disappeared from view, replaced by less imposing 
deities or gods that are more amenable or fashionable to the modern mind. A.W. Tozer makes this incredibly meaningful statement. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind, atonement, when you think about God? What comes into your mind when you think about God? There are three passages listed in your bulletin, but there's one main passage that I'm going to deal with, and the other two will come in as the message progresses. Hear now the Lord's word from Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And God said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, And the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Let us pray. Almighty God and our Heavenly Father, we come this morning to your word. Father, we we want to deal with this series, Who is God?, And pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us afresh. We live in a time of many false gods vying for our attention. Open your word to us this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three points to this message today, just three. And the first is this. God is God, comma, God is supreme. God is God, comma, God is supreme. God here in Exodus chapter 3, he's given Moses marching orders. Go down to Egypt. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. God reveals to Moses that God is the God of the fathers of Israel the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God says he is God. Well, what in the world does that word mean, God? What does God mean? Moses asks God, what is your name? Who do do I tell the people it is that sent me down here to deliver them? What what do you call yourself? What's even in a name? Why does, God, why does Moses want to know God's name? 
Why does Moses want to know God's name? Well, Moses is going to have to go down to Egypt, and he's going to have to speak on God's behalf. (laughs) Now, if I can set the stage here for you. Pharaoh was king over Egypt. He was worshipped, and he was revered as a god, as a supreme deity, the supreme ruler over all of the land, over all of the people. Pharaoh's word was considered law. Some of you remember the movie, The Ten Commandments, and you remember hearing Yul Brynner say, so let it be written, so let it be done. Pharaoh's word was the way it was. At this time in the world, in the ancient Near East, Pharaoh is the greatest political and military power in all of the land. And Moses' job involves confronting the world's greatest human power and commanding that power in the name of God, whom no one has seen, to release God's people, to release Pharaoh's free workforce that are building all these wonderful buildings for him. To me, you all, it seems obvious that Moses would ask, who shall I say sent me? In in whose name shall I tell Pharaoh and the people of Israel that I speak? And now I give you God's response. And these are a series of I am statements, so bear with me. God responds, as Christians, this is not written here, as Christians, the Bible is our standard of of life. When when we, we talk about who God is, we don't make it up. We take it from the Bible. We take it from Scripture. Hear God's response. God says, I am who I am. Think about what God says. I am who I am. God says his name is, I will be what I will be. My name is, I am. It's a sentence, right? (laughs) A subject and a verb. Well, I need to tell you what I am means as it is traced throughout Holy Scripture. I am means self-existent, self-sufficient, the source of all reality and all life, the first and true interpreter of all things, the only true unique being before all other creatures. You hear that word unique. Only God is unique. I am means... I always was, I always am, and I always will be. It pushes your mind past what it can really imagine. I am means I I never had a beginning. I'll never have an ending. I am means I exist eternally. There never was a time when God was not. God, hallelujah, God always is. 
I am means I set the agenda of everything eternally. I am the standard giver. I am the one who all are accountable to for what is right and for what is evil. I am means I am the greatest power over, above, underneath, and beyond the universe. I am means I answer to no one. Hallelujah. I am means I constitute perfection, purity, righteousness, justice, wisdom, love, goodness, beauty, truth, and holiness. I am means I am the authority. I am the law. I am the lawgiver. I am means I sit high and I look down low. Nothing is hidden from my eyesight. I am means I am the reason you continue to take breaths, that your heart continues to beat, that your ears continue to hear, that your senses continue to function, that your feet are able to walk, that the sun continues to shine, that the sun remains in its appointed place, in our galaxy. Have you ever thought about that? It hasn't moved. God appointed it to be there, and all the planets continue in this galaxy their circuitous elliptical uh, cycle around the sun. I am means I am the meaning giver. God sets the definitions of reality. I provide significance for everything. I am means I never grow tired. I never grow weak. I never grow frail. My strength is unending. My knowledge knows no bounds. My presence is everywhere at the same time. I am means you cannot get beyond me. I am who I am. I am absolute reality. This is the name that Moses will go down and present to Egypt. Romans chapter 9, verses 14 to 18, that's listed there as one of the scriptures. It only serves to enhance the definition of who God is for you, his people, in this room here today. The Apostle Paul writes this. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. You know, in Bible study, you have to sit and meditate. You have to think. You have to mentally chew on those words. I'll do whatever I want to do. That's the point. And I have the right to do that because I am 
pure. Hallelujah. The, the standard of purity, the standard of perfection. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. He's talking about salvation here. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he, God, has mercy on whomever he wills and God hardens whomever he wills. Now think about that. The scripture says to Pharaoh, i.e. God says to Pharaoh, I made you. I made you to be a, a rod of correction, a rod of oppression for my people. Because I have a plan for these, my people, to demonstrate who I am. It is the name of the one who created Egypt, the land and the people. It is the name of the one who ordains and authorizes that Egypt even be a reality. It is the name of the one who puts Israel in Egypt in the first place to accomplish God's purposes for the generations that would, that would come, including yours and mine. God is God, you all, and God is supreme. The second thing I want you to see today, God identifies himself with his people. God identifies himself with his people. Notice how God connects himself with his people. We read, I am the God of. I am the God of. <laughs> I am the God of. It means connection, right? You're a, you belong to me. I'm the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. And if you know your Bible history at all, God met with each one of them in, in, in particular. He spoke to each one of them about his relationship to them. I am the God of you. You are my people. I am for you. I have your best interest at heart. I am your best interest, and indeed I am your greatest good. All that, you, all that I say is for you, and it's for your good. I give you my covenant name forever. And covenant pertains to attaching, I'll say it that way. My name I give to your generations of my people. God says, forever. I am the one you can always trust. I am the one you can always trust. When I surrendered to the call of God in salvation in the early 1990s, my father said to me, in front of about 300 people, he said, son, he will take care of you. God will take care of you. R.C. Sproul, in the book, Discovering the God Who Is, he makes these statements. 
I must know the God who is alive, who is real, who relates to me in my life. I know that life changes. We decay. We hurt. We die. Nothing in this life is for sure. That's why you and I need a God bigger than life, certainly one who is bigger than death. We need a God who cannot be slain, a God who cannot die. Magic won't do. Myths, they won't work either. This God must be real. God must be personal to we must be able to talk to him as well as about him. The third point for this day. Since God is God and God is supreme, then who God is matters for how you live. Since God is God and God is supreme, then who God is matters for how you live. Think, think, think back. God has Moses up on Mount Horeb, the Scripture calls the mountain of God, and he's preparing him to go back into this place he ran away from so that he can demonstrate to the people God is supreme. God is supreme. He goes through a, a series of revelations on the mountain there to demonstrate his power to, to Moses. And God sends Moses down into Egypt, and he, he promises him, he assures him, I will go with you. In order for Moses to go to Egypt and be successful, Moses had to trust God is who God is. God is the great I am that I am. God is the one who will crush the gods of the people. And yet God is the one who extends mercy, a way out. Notice what the Lord says in verse 15. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered, remembered, thought about, passed on from one generation to the next. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Al Muller, in the same book he wrote, he says, God has certainly not disappeared, but the belief that he has sets our present challenge Squarely before us. Amen. We will soon find out whether this generation of Christians is up for the challenge. At the very beginning, you heard me say, the barbarians are coming. And may I say to you, they are us. They are us. When we forget who God is, we become the barbarians. We become the people who say anything goes. The Scripture says, 
in Romans eleven thirty six, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. My, my dad asked me one time, I know you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. I was home from the university. I was sitting at the lunch table in my parents' home, and we were waiting on the food to arrive, and we were talking. Life and God and dad said, boy, what is your theology? And I smiled. I thought, oh, I'm, not going to miss, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. And I leaned back in the chair at the table, and I said, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. All of life is from God. All of life is through God, and all of life is to God. And how so often we forget that in our daily living. The last thing I share with you this day is this. A.W. Tozer says this in the knowledge of the holy. And I say this because, yes, we are in a time of transition, and it's very important that you know God reigns. God rules over his church. Pastors don't rule over the church. God reigns over the church. The pastor's duty is to equip you with the word so that you're ready for the work of ministry. Hear this. The heaviest obligation lying upon the Christian church today is to purify and elevate her concept of God until it is once more worthy of God and of her, the church. In all her prayers, and her, the Scriptures speak of the church as the bride of Christ, in all her prayers and labors, this should have first place. We do the greatest service, the greatest service, to the next generation of Christians by passing on to them undimmed and undiminished that noble concept of God which we received from our Hebrew and Christian fathers of generations past. This will prove of greater value to these generations than anything that art or science can devise. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. God, who you are indeed is the most important reality, the most important thing that we could ever meditate on in this lifetime, O Lord, and in the lifetime to come. God, in this world, there are so many things pulling at us alluring, tempting, begging us to bow down and exalt them rather than you. Oh God, we thank you this morning that your word you still allow to be spoken in days like these. We, your people, don't don't have to be afraid of anything. For our God reigns. You are the great I am who I am. And I beg you, This day, through the name, the person, and the work of the Lord Jesus, I beg you, God, on behalf of this church, that you would make this church a church.
deeply saturated in the reality that God is God and God is supreme. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.